All right. Um, I get the pleasure of introducing our speakers today. My name is Angel, Alumni and uh, Engagement Director. And I'm going to share with, with you a little bit about them. I don't know if they know I'm sharing these. But Jake and Christy met in 1992 in Dr. Mark Muska's freshman Bible course, Bible 101, right over there in that carousel. They graduated in 1996, Jake with a youth ministry degree and Christy with a degree in psychology. Married in 96, they have two children. Jackson is, uh, you can go ahead and, there you go. Jackson is 23, works as a deckhand on a super yacht, and is currently in Honduras working on his dive master certificate. Abigail is 22. She works in Greece at the Torchbearers Bible School and is currently serving this school year on Thetis Island in Canada. Some fun facts about Jake and Christy. Jake loves mountain biking, popcorn, and water skiing. Christy loves traveling, clearance shopping, and testing out new recipes on people. Jake worked at several churches in the metro area for 13 years as a youth pastor before joining Minnesota FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, as the West Metro Area Director. He served in that role for almost 10 years, and since 2016, Jake and Christy have been serving as national chaplains for the Supercross and Motocross industry. In 2014, God called them to start a Bible study called Breakfast Club in their home before school for high school students and their two kids. Their first breakfast club had only 12 students. Eight years later, they have 656 students attending. It's exciting for me to be here. My name is Jake Veneta, and this is what we do as our volunteer role. This is what God called us to do with this really proprietary, like, I mean, we got patented this whole formula. It's really wild. You feed people some food, and then you tell them about the Lord and put a Bible in their lap. So if you copy what we're doing, you better stink and pay me some royalties, because no one's ever heard of that way of doing ministry <laughs> before. But this is what we do volunteer-wise, and they mentioned that I, Christy and I, my wife and I, are the chaplains for Supercross and Motocross. And this hit me as I was getting ready for this talk today, because 30 years ago this month, I was sitting as a freshman right where you are. 30 years ago. As I was preparing this chapel talk, thanks for clapping that I'm old. I appreciate that. <laughs> Feels good. Yeah, I'm right at my athletic prime. If you don't believe me, I will challenge you to whatever you think you're good at in sport, and I will wax you. I will just dominate you, just, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, holy shnikes, how has it been 30 years? You saw the picture. We got engaged here. I met Christy in that uh, turnaround, what do they call those things, the spinny thing, the turnaround thing, carousel, which I, so I came here, and I heard carousel, and I was reminded of like those chintzy little traveling circus things where you're riding the little ponies. I'm like, there's a carousel here. What's going on at the Totino Arts of Fine Place? <laughs> but I, I sat next to this girl. Well, she sat next to me because she's like, oh, look at that handsome lad. <laughs> and so, guys, this is what the ladies are doing. By the way, when they see you, they won't show it. But there's this oh, thing that's happening inside of them. And so just kind of peacock up, like all proud, like, yeah, ladies, 
the best pickup line I'm going to give it to you for free. It's not even part of my talk. It's not even in the notes. But the best pickup line, if you see some of the, the, e the eaglets walking across the little campus, <laughs> you just do this. You do this. Hi, ladies. Hi. Run that one, and they will be smitten. And, oh, oh. It's crazy to me that I went here, and then the story of 30 years happened, and now I'm back here, and they asked me to speak not because of the 30 years. They asked me to speak most likely, I'm guessing, I don't know, I wasn't part of the meeting, and I didn't get the cliff notes, but I think it's because we saw, we are seeing God do something in our town where we live, just west of the Twin Cities in a little land called STMA land. Anybody here from St. Michael Albertville? All right, four of you, go Knights. All right, so, uh, and it started with this simple Bible study and it blew up to become this movement. And now it's undeniable, you saw the barn, it's crazy. I saw that and I was reminded when I saw that video that the night before it rained like five inches. I don't know if you saw those like drone shots and it's like flooded. I'm like, we actually have grass now. It doesn't look like an uninhabited property. It's pretty cool. But I'm thinking about this and I'm like, man, this is crazy to me. This whole span of years and now we find ourselves in a spotlight. We find ourselves where people are saying, what are you doing? And I already told you the proprietary recipe to build a great Bible study. It's really wild, right? I already I'm not going to say it again because somebody might copy it and I have rights on that. So just so you know, that's the recipe of great Bible studies. If you copy that, it, it will happen for you. But I, I was thinking about this interplay between this spotlight and this obscurity because most of our years since Northwestern have been lived in obscurity. You heard as we were introduced, I was a youth pastor at a number of different churches. I worked on staff with FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Anyone part of FCA at their school? Anybody? A couple of you? Sweet. Cool things happened, kind of neat moments, different things. We did a camp with the Vikings. There's some kind of cool stuff, but it was mostly obscurity. And as I was sitting on a porch preparing for this talk, it hit me this week that most of Jesus' time on planet Earth, the third rock from the sun, the one that you're on right now, most of his time, we don't know anything about. Most of his decades were lived in obscurity. He was born in a stinky feeding trough. Then we don't know anything for the next few days. What happened? What'd they do? Did they have a baby shower? Did they bring cake? What, I mean, what happened? Then, I mean, you know, the, you know this, most of you do, that, that, that there's these gaps, what happened? Then, then he's eight, and he's um, presented at the temple, and these wise men come on these really bougie donkeys and camels because they're loaded, and they're all like, hey, check out my camel, and they're coming from Mongolia or wherever anyway, and they come and give him all these cool gifts. And then they flee to Egypt. We don't hear jack squat about Egypt, nothing. We don't hear if Joseph was like a, 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 a carpenter down there, if he made pizzas. We, we don't know anything. They're down there almost 10 years. Then he comes back, and the biggest gap that we have is what happens next. We hear about the temple thing, right? He's in the temple, he's debating the smart people, and he's like finishing their sentences, and he's out quoting scriptures. It's like a sword drill. He's like, oh, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? And all these smart, priestly, pastorly people are like, 
dang, this cat brought game. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoa, this, whoa. But then for the next two decades, 20 years, nothing. Zip. I wanted to go higher on that octave. That's all I got. So (laughs) in my mind, as I was getting ready to say the word zip, it was way up here. And I about blew something on that one. So I I gotta be careful here, a little easy on the throttle. I'm getting a little ramped. We hear almost nothing. And so today, in the couple hours that I have left to speak with you here at chapel, (laughs) I wanna talk about a rhythm that I've seen since I went here. What would the 48-year-old Jake Tell the 18-year-old Jake that the 18-year-old Jake, if he knew this principle, the next 30 years would not have gone how they went. Did they go bad? No. But were there struggles that are unnecessary? Yes. And it's because there's this rhythm of spotlight. There's a spotlight right here. Spotlight. Wait. Spotlight. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Some of you, the only thing you're going to remember from chapel was that. What else did he say? He said something about the girls think I'm, whoo, and then the rest, spotlight. I don't know what the guy was saying. I don't know what he had for breakfast, but giddy up. I recognize that God has Christy and I in the spotlight right now. I'm a national chaplain. I travel with the series. We are on the road 35 plus weekends every year. We're not in Minnesota. We leave in a couple days to go to a wedding of one of our riders out in Temecula. It's at a vineyard, (laughs) yeah. Uh, (laughs) We're in the spotlight, people see us. People look at me because of what I do and they're like, how did you get there? And I'm noticing a rhythm and here's the rhythm. Please pay attention to this. Whether you're a student or a faculty, an athlete, a freshman, a senior, whether you're dating or not, whether you're locked in on your career or you have no idea what you're going to do, this applies to you. Some of you are alumni. Coming back for alumni week, go Eagles. I didn't have purple, so I wore white. I figured I was safe. Uh, There's this rhythm of, we have these moments in the spotlight. Paul, he's the MVP of the Bible. He wrote most of it. Well, Jesus is, sorry, but Paul's kind of a big deal. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Anywho, the uh, sort of MVP that wasn't deity, yeah, you know me. Anyway, 14 years he's off with Gamaliel. There's these huge gaps. I was just looking at it this week and I was like, Paul, who has all these letters and he does all these missionary journeys, he's like sailing on this boat, going around saying, here's the kingdom. Most of his life, we don't know about, especially after Acts 9 where he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. There's these gaps. We see the spotlight because it's in scripture. We're like, oh, yeah, wow, incredible. Check out his InstaTalk book, Graham. I mean, this guy's lighting it up. He's shutting it down. You know what I'm saying? But we forget this rhythm of life that's true for all of us. I came here today to teach you one thing. I have one point. Not three, not nine, I'm not smart enough for that. 
I have one thing that I hope that you get. I hope that it lands. I hope that you grab it. I hope that you remember it. Because you, your life, you will live a life in a rhythm similar to Christy and I's, where you will have moments in the spotlight and the whole world sees you and it's shining on you. And your whole world might be your community, your church, your team, uh, your business. And they're like looking at you because it's your moment. Because you're in the spotlight. But most of us, most of us will spend most of our years in obscurity. The key that unlocks the door to living this rhythm of obscurity and spotlight, unseen and seen, moments where we're just going through the mundane versus moments that are magnificent. The key that unlocks that is my only point today. It's one word. This word will topple the walls in your life of your calling, your career, your country you live in, or your companion. Companion, I meant it to be wife or husband, but it didn't start with a C, so we're going with companion. Your calling, your career, your country, or your companion. This word, it supersedes that. It allows you to walk in success in life, and the significance that you're chasing will be found in that if you apply this word. This word brings a steadfast, unwavering hope into the midst of chaos in the months and the years of obscurity. This word means that your spotlight moments, should the king himself choose to give you some, will be filled with humility and gratefulness. This word is more than a word, it's a philosophy, it's a way of being, it's an operating system. I 100% USDA guarantee you, this is IOC approved and NCAA approved. If you apply this, it will work. Jake, what's the word? Stop teasing me with the ding-dang word. Tell me the word. I want to know what the word is. What's the word? The word is tethered. When we stay tethered to the king, you guys heard that my son works on a super yacht, so he knows how to do like Eagle Scout knots and cool stuff. Where in the world's the other end of this? All right. I'm like a magician, whoa. Did he pull a rabbit out of his? No, just a rope, all right. But I wanna show you something here. I don't know if you can see this, this is a really big knot. But if I'm tethered to that, that means I might be in the spotlight, but that's not the focus, the focus is I'm tethered. On that podium thingy is the word of God. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword, able to divide joints and marrow, bone and spirit, even judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God will not return void, Isaiah 55. The word of God supersedes all things. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. There is power in God's word, and God's word is the source that, that connects us to the king, and it's that connection that brings the significance. Tethered. I didn't really measure this, so I don't know how far I'm going to get. I might end up in the lake. (laughs) But I don't know if you can still see me. I'm over here in the dark. Stage right field or left or something. (laughs) I really appreciate you, that those of you that are laughing at the stuff that's not funny. Like, (laughs) this means a lot to me. Like, I try for some jokes, and it's crickets. And then I say something like, left field, and then nine of you laughed. (laughs) 
I'm in obscurity. I'm not in the spotlight. I'm still tethered. Guys, the focus of my life and the focus of your life is to be tethered to the king, his way, not mine, obedient to him, not following my own steps, my, not my plan, his plan, not my eternity, his, his eternity. When we install this operating system, God's word talks about in John 15, remaining connected, abiding, being grafted in with. I like the word tethered. I like this word because my son works on a super yacht and he has to tie up a $110 million yacht for an owner that's worth $5 billion. Billion. Wrap your mind around that one. You think you got some cash in your pocket? You don't got no cash compared to a billionaire. And so a rope can tether a massive yacht and it's not going anywhere. No matter the storms, no matter what the winds are, the currents are, no matter what's currently in that harbor, it's not going anywhere. And here's what I know. I work with athletes that crave significance. I work with athletes who are in the spotlight. The whole world sees them. We pack out stadiums. 50,000 people. We're on live TV. Everyone's looking at them. We all want significance. I do, you do. And when I was sitting there 30 years ago, I was trying to think, what am I gonna do? What is my life gonna be about that's gonna make me significant? And I'm not talking about your calling or your career or the country you live in or the companion that God will put you with. What I'm talking about is an operating system. Three lies that will happen. Three lies that come up when we think about the obscure part of life, the anonymous part of life. Please be aware of these. Lie number one, you're all alone. You ever feel like that? You're all alone. What you're doing doesn't matter, your future doesn't matter, you don't matter. You ever let that lie have any airplay in your head or your heart? Number two, your story doesn't matter. Number three is your life is insignificant. And the truth that I see from Jesus is that the unseen does not equal the unimportant. Let me say that again. The unseen, the parts of Jesus' life that are unseen doesn't mean they weren't important. Those 10 years in Egypt, those two decades hanging out with his dad, learning how to build Amish furniture that they sold out of a storefront. I don't know what they did. But they're not unimportant even though they're unseen. And so much of what we do is unseen. Nobody sees it. But if we're tethered to the king, if the, if the rope of our life is anchored to the eternal one, then what we're chasing is significance with the king, and that supersedes spotlight moments versus obscure moments. And so many of us are trying to chase the significance, and some of us believe the lies of the obscure. Three lies of the spotlight. The spotlight will lie to you. I know this because that's my life right now, because a lot of people are watching me and watching us. The reason I got invited here it's because there's a spotlight on my life right now. Here's some lies that happen. Look how great you are. Hey, let's market this. Do you know how many business people have told me I should market Breakfast Club? I already told you the secret sauce of success for Breakfast Club. 
really wild. <laughs> no one's ever tried it before. Why is the Breakfast Club so successful? Two reasons. We stayed obedient when God said do it, and God decided to blow a little bit of wind into it. And here's what I know. When the king of the universe decides to blow just a tiny amount of wind into the sails of your boat, giddy up. Do I control that? No. Does it have much to do with me? No, other than the fact that I'm trying to be obedient and faithful. And God is looking for some people who are tethered to him who are obedient and faithful. And there might be a day where God decides to do this to you. And that little bit of wind will propel your life to a spotlight moment. To a spotlight moment. One of the spotlights is on one of our athletes. His name is Chase. He's 22 years old. He took down the champ this summer. No one's ever done it this way. They got to the last race, they're only one point apart. This guy's ridiculously talented and he makes millions of dollars and he's 22 years old and he's the be- one of the best on planet Earth at riding a dirt bike. And Chase... When I was down in Florida to see him, all he wanted to do with me, his chaplain, is figure out, Jake, how do I tie this like you've got it tied? And it makes me proud that a young, uber-successful one-percenter is trying to figure this out, realizing that significance is not determined by our spotlight or our obscurity. I'm close with a statement. What I am finding right now is that my significance is not tethered to the spotlight moments of my life. What I'm learning right now, 30 years later, is that my significance in this rhythm of spotlight and obscurity is about being tethered to the king. Christy, come on up. She's going to close us in word of prayer. Part of being tethered is finding a great warrior to do life with, and I found one of the best, Mrs. V. So thanks, Christy. Close us in a word of prayer. Dear God, first prayer request is that Jake remembers to untie himself from the podium. But uh, God, we just bow before you. This space, what a gift it is to have this space in our lives, to turn off the stuff, to shut down what's on the other side of these doors and just be in your presence through the worship, through the prayer, through the talk, through things that you wanted us to hear today from your word. God, may they land, may they hit. May they be statements from you that we get to carry with us as you help us to take the next step as we do this rhythm of obscurity versus spotlight. God, we want to be tethered to you. So with all your power and all your might, would you remove the stuff, the obstacles, the things that are in the way from us tying that rope to you, to be tethered to your word, to be tethered with you, to be with you. God, we love you with all we've got. We trust you with everything we've got as well. May we be people who walk in obedience tethered to you. And our significance is found in our being tethered to you, the King, capital K. God, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.